Aloha! Welcome to One Man Watchpoint, episode 62. This is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. And if you're new around here, let me introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. So why not give me a follow over on Twitter and Instagram? Reach out to me over on Twitter, send me a DM, shoot me a message, uh, whatever you want to do over there, however you'd like to interact, because I would love to hear from you. If you have topics, questions, concerns, comments, anything you'd like me to discuss on the show, bring it to me on Twitter at SirDRJM, and I would be happy to engage with you. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And if you leave us a review, of course, we will read it out on the next episode. Now, if you love the sound of my voice and you just can't get enough, why not check out our friends over at Ready, Set, Pwn, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, where I am, of of course, the third chair alongside Chris at Lightforce and Omni at Omnistrife. We, of course, post this podcast every other Wednesday of the week, and Ready, Set, Pwn posts every off Wednesday from that. So you can, of course, hear me every week coming in your ear sockets if you wish. Now, for today's episode, we've got the entire first half of December to talk about, so let's hop on in the sleigh and get a dashing through the snow. Apagando las luces. All right, so if you're going to notice one thing about this week's episode, you're probably going to notice that I believe every story I have is going to take us to .esports.com. The fine folks over there have been uh, keeping the Overwatch content game going, and uh, unfortunately, looking at other other sites, I just didn't find anything that was uh, super enticing. So I went with mostly stories from .esports.com this week. So first, we're going to read a story from December 14th, that is, of course, today, as of recording, written by Emily Morrow, called Overwatch is Getting a New Short Story Collection. Listings for an Overwatch short story collection have appeared on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other websites. While no official announcement has been made yet, the book is already available to pre-order with an expected release date of August 2nd, 2022. Like Overwatch Anthology did for the game's comics, Overwatch Short Story Collection puts all of the in-universe short stories in the Overwatch development team has shared since the game's release in one printed volume. The book doesn't include chapter one of the Deadlock Rebels story, however. The volume costs $19.95 and will be 128 pages. Eagle-eyed, Reddit, Eagle-eyed fans on Reddit sorry, noticed the collection also included a new short story that seems to be about Reaper. Quote, one former hero must determine whether to assume the mantle of a darker purpose that will change the course of his life forever. The book's Amazon description reads, leading many to believe the story will involve Reaper. The book's cover art also appears to have Reaper's mask on it. Some fans are hoping the story will be released online prior to the print volume's release, as has happened with all of Overwatch's short uh, short stories and comics up to this point. Blizzard likes to drop lore and stories with little to no notice, so it's possible fans will get a quick announcement followed by a release later in 2022. It could also be tied to an in-game event, like Cole Cassidy's recent comic release and its adjoining event. Overwatch Short Story Collection releases on August 2nd, 2022. So, of course, wanted to bring this one up because we continue to get a drip feed of lore content. Um... Obviously, this is very loosely, loosely, I don't know, 
in-game content. It it does likely relate to something they will do in-game, especially if, you know, uh, as they mentioned, if Reaper is a focus, and of course we haven't actually had a story about Reaper. Um, the cover of the comic, of course, does feature the covers of some of those other stories we've seen. Um, I don't remember the names of all of them off the top of my head, but you can see a glimpse of Anna's bap Baptet? Bastet? I can't remember what it was called. But the one skin where it's uh, kind of an Egyptian style with, with the cat-like face um, that, of course, we have in-game from, from days of old. So, interesting stuff. Um, glad to see this kind of thing ongoing. It does strike me as strange that we get this kind of content at all. Obviously, we all know how starved for content Overwatch is. So it kind of strikes me as, why do they still kind of have these sort of very very lackluster, very non-marketed uh, uh, efforts behind it. Um, you know, why not just sh save this content for the Overwatch 2 sort of schedule release and things like that? Um, really bake it into things that have more of a pop because ultimately, if you ask me, I don't think these events that they tie these things to, like the Cole Cassidy one, are just that interesting or that enticing. Um, I personally barely even touched the Cole Cassidy one. The the skin I didn't think was anything too interesting. Now, um, the, the Ana one I was referencing before, I actually did come back for that one because I thought that one was pretty cool, as well as some of the other limited ones they've had. But ultimately, I'd just like to see them kind of tie this into more meaningful content um, and really give us something to latch onto. Again, I obviously love story content. I love single player. I love the lore behind all of it. I love the characters and everything like that. Um, so I do love reading these. You know, I, I definitely jump into the online comics when they release, but I just want it to, I want it to relate to the game and tie things together a lot more than I think it actually does. So I digress. Um, will be interesting to see if this comes out. The release date, obviously, there, August 2nd, 2022, is a ways away. Um, but maybe we get the uh, this this supposed Reaper event um, somewhere on, along the lines before August. And then, of course, it all culminates with that release of the collection in August. Now, let's move on to our next story, again, from December 14th. That is today again. Still with .esports.com by Liz Richardson this time, which reads, Overwatch New Blood's second comic issue drops. For most of its experience in lore, Overwatch has been anchored by the old guard of Soldier 76, Ana Amari, and pre-Reaper Comrade Reyes. Commander Reyes, not Comrade, sorry about that. When a new crisis comes around and those pieces are missing, Cole Cassidy has to step up and assemble his own updated Overwatch roster. The New Blood digital comic series penned by Ray Fox and illustrated by Irene Co is a five-part exploration of Cassidy's journey to bridge the gap between Overwatch's past and its unknown future. Volume 2 hit digital bookshelves on December 14th. They've then got the tweet embedded from the at play Overwatch account. Cassidy is on a mission to recruit more heroes to Overwatch, starting with a familiar face. Read issue number two in the latest Overwatch comic, New Blood, by Ray Fox. Uh, they also tag Coquette. I'm not sure how to say that last uh, the, the, that Twitter handle and Dark Horse Comics and then they've got a short little video there teasing it in the first volume Cassidy headed to Egypt after receiving a mysterious note when he arrives he's met by Anna who guides him through winding streets against a talent onslaught she also puts her belief in him to rebuild an Overwatch team that surpasses the organization's past mistakes Cassidy who saw the best of the old guard as a young man on the original Overwatch squad and also witnessed its implosion also carries the team car oh wow agrees to carry on the team's legacy in a new, better way. Sorry, I don't know why I got tripped up there. 
He doesn't have far. He doesn't. Oh my goodness. He doesn't have to go far. In issue two, Cassidy reunites with Anna's daughter, Fariha, better known to Overwatch fans as Farah in Cairo. She's been spending her time as a part of Helix, a security organization, but Cassidy arrives with a special guest to sell her on joining Overwatch. An emotional reunion turns into chaos, but it helps clear some of the questions surrounding Fariha's decision. The full issue of New Blood, as well as a hint about who Cassidy will be tracking down in issue 3, can be found in the Overwatch Media Center. So, as I mentioned with the previous story, you know, again, I love this lore stuff. I love seeing these. I love hearing these stories and these tales that kind of fill in some of the gaps, give us some background, give us some uh, lore to the world and the characters, and really flesh things out in a way that we haven't really seen in the game itself. Uh, you know, beyond voice lines, beyond uh, environmental storytelling and things like that. Um, that said, again, you know, I just feel like all of this stuff is kind of like, why not save this content? Why not build an event around it? Why not really celebrate these characters and these things that are happening? Um, and these things that they obviously know and have planned out for a while now. Um, and really dig deep into them in Overwatch 2. I mean, the obvious answer is because we have no idea how long that will be. And they're obviously focusing on other stuff with Overwatch 2. So I digress. I'm excited to read this comic. Um, I haven't read it yet. I did read part one. Uh, I just haven't dove into part two yet. I'll probably do that after we finish recording today. Um, but I do kind of like the story they're telling. You know, it's kind of just a classic, you know, getting the getting the gang back together story uh, from Cassidy's viewpoint. Um, although it's kind of, you know, a new team and everything. But I digress. Uh, I enjoyed part one, and I'm looking forward to seeing where the, the overarching story goes. Next up, we're going to stick with DottieSports.com. We're going to stick with December 14th, and we're going to stick with our friend Lizzie Richardson. And we're going to read Slaying Diva Revealed for 2021 Overwatch Winter Wonderland event. Former pro gamer and current mech expert Diva is known for her snappy style and adorable outfits, so it's only fitting that she gets a festive look for Overwatch's 2021 Winter Wonderland event. Slaying Diva, a new legendary skin, will drop with the event when it begins on December 16th. Diva's mech, normally decked out in pink paint, no, yep, that's correct, pink paint, and several sparkly sponsorship stickers, has been transformed into a sleigh for the holidays. The mech is now red and green with gold details and even has a wreath hanging on the back. We're honestly surprised it doesn't have reindeer horns at this rate, which honestly would be kind of cool. The pilot herself dons an A-line dress with lots of fur, festive plaid patterns, and big bows. Diva's mascot, the adorable bunny, is represented by some embroidered winter friends on her dress. She's even gone for the candy cane stockings and a blonde hairdo to fully embrace the idea of a Pinterest perfect winter outfit. This is the first skin announced for the 2021 Winter Wonderland event, which was briefly delayed from its anticipated start date of December 14th. Most of Overwatch's 2021 events have included five new legendary skins, which cost 3,000 gold and, and are the rarest skins, and three epic skins that can be unlocked through completing weekly challenges. We'll see what's on the cosmetics menu when the Winter Wonderland event begins on December 16th. So obviously, uh, this story not only serves to uh, give us a glimpse into the winter, uh, sorry, into the diva skin, but also gives us a glimpse into the winter wonderland event, which of course, as you know, Liz uh, mentioned there, uh, was delayed. Should have been released already, um, but they did delay it for un sort of unknown reasons. Um, I believe the team actually tweeted out something about it about the fact that it was going to be delayed slightly, um, and it was kind of a bit of a joke on the internet just because, of course, uh, the Overwatch team doesn't seem to be doing much today, so why wouldn't they be uh, slow at releasing this? Who knows what actually happened there? 
I think we're off to a good start with the Diva skin. I think everybody generally likes Diva skins. Um, and this one is a pretty cool one. It's a pretty significant change for, for Diva's look. Um, you know, I'm, I, I understand the idea behind uh, making the mech into a sleigh. I do think there's some kind of cooler things they could have done here. Uh, I really would have liked to see them kind of go a little more on the crazy side. Um, but I digress. I'm happy nonetheless. I'm not going to complain about a sick legendary skin. So there you have it. And I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next for the Winter Wonderland event 2021. Now that actually brings us to the end of our little news section. Of course, we are light on news these days, given we are in the Overwatch League's off season. Uh, we do have a number of moves in the Overwatch League to talk about, of course. Um, so let's get on in there because I'm going to cover the past two weeks worth of moves as we didn't have an episode last week. So we're going to talk about the entire first two weeks of December. Be right back. Oh yes. Now before we actually get into the moves and things like that, there's one more article from dottiesports.com uh, written by Liz Richardson on December 1st that I wanted to mention because I uh, haven't done that yet. So it reads like this. Lin... Now, I don't know how to pronounce this. I don't know if it's Lin Jan or Lin Gon. I'm going to go Lin Gon. So Lin Gon Esports will continue operating Los Angeles Valiant through 2022 Overwatch League season. And after months of silence during the chaotic Overwatch League offseason, the Los Angeles Valiant have confirmed a few details about its participation in the upcoming 2022 season. Lin Gon... Did I say Lin Gon? Lin Jan? I'm going to go Lin... Lin... LG Esports... LGE, a Chinese company that previously ran teams such as LGE Huya, will continue operating the team next year, according to a social media post by The Valiant. LGE signed a one-year operating agreement in early 2021 after The Valiant's ownership group Immortals Gaming Club, IGC, decided to move the franchise to China and participate in the Overwatch League's East Division. The social media post also confirms that The Valiant will remain in the East Division, also known as the Asia-Pacific region of the League. That means they'll play alongside other teams based in Asia, including the 2021 champion championship team, the Shanghai Dragons. In early 2021, the Los Angeles Valiant dropped the entirety of its Western roster and staff after conferring with the Overwatch League and moving the franchise to China. At the time, IGC CEO Ari Segal told Dottie Sports that LGE would not acquire any shares in the Valiant and would not have the option to buy the franchise. It appears LGE will continue its operation-only relationship with the team next year. The Los Angeles Valiant was the only team in the Overwatch League to go winless over the course of the 2021 season, ending with a 0-16 record. No official word has been given by the Valiant on the status of its previous roster. The league's player contract status update lists list states that the players have expired contracts heading into 2022, meaning Los Angeles will likely be signing an entirely new roster. So I wanted to bring that one up, obviously, because if we look at the uh, most recent, well, at this point, not most recent, but at the time of that posting, if we look at the list of teams and players who are on those teams, the Los Angeles Valiant was one of two teams, I think. Uh, well, was the only team we had heard nothing from and one of two teams that we knew, I would say, extremely little about. So the other team, of course, I'm talking about is the New York Excelsior, who at this point have announced Flora will be staying with them, and that's it. So at the time of that announcement, the Los Angeles Valiant had announced nothing. Now we do know a little bit more about them at this point, which I'll get to in a little bit here. But I wanted to bring this up because obviously this does confirm that the Valiant will be staying in the eastern region, as uh, Liz points out in her article there. 
Um, and outside of that, I mean, it kind of confirms that uh, things will continue to operate in a similar fashion as they did this past season. However, it would seem like Los Angeles has a lot more to work with now. Um, you know, obviously, we're not dealing with an entire roster being signed and then the organization moving and having to kind of pick up whatever players and coaching staff were available and things like that. So this actually gives them a chance to build a pretty significant roster, um, especially given the pool of Chinese talent that uh, does exist over there. Um, it seems like, you know, where they may have been competing with a few other teams, um, obviously the other Chinese teams, um, for the most part, those teams actually have almost complete rosters. I think if I'm looking at the list, it looks like Guangzhou is missing a flex support player, and it looks like, let's see, uh, Hangzhou has an entire roster at this point, Chengdu has an entire roster, uh, Shanghai has an entire roster, even Seoul, who is in the same region, obviously different country, but uh, as well has a full roster at this point. So it really looks like they're going to be picking from uh, basically everyone that's left in the Chinese uh, talent pool. Now, of course, that doesn't mean they can't get uh, other nationality players, Korean players, even North American players, things like that. It's just kind of an assumption at this point that they won't, um, given the direction all the other uh, Eastern region teams have gone. Now, New York obviously is in there as well. They've traditionally been a Eastern region team, but we'll see what happens with them. Um and even, I mean, Philadelphia is a bit of a question mark at this point, too. But I digress. Um, interesting to see something finally coming out of the Los Angeles Valiant. And as I mentioned, we'll talk about a little bit more shortly. So now we can move on to the, uh, uh, what the heck is it called? Overwatch League 2021 offseason trade tracker, of course, presented by Liz Richardson over on .esports.com. And this list, of course, is where uh, Liz has been tracking the entire offseason and posts constant updates about moves and retirement signings, uh, anything like that, that's been going on in the Overwatch League. So the last time we spoke on this podcast, I believe it was around November 30th. So we're going to jump to December 6th, which was, of course, the uh, most recent announcements that weren't on last episode. So... First things first, December 6th, Los Angeles Valiant adds No Hill as head coach, Wu Yal as assistant coach, and Cola as general manager. Washington Justice parts ways with Off Tank Fury, adding Kalios for 2022. So, as I mentioned, uh, this is where, uh, you know, the first little wave of those announcements has uh, started coming. Um, I'm just looking. I swear there was another one that I am not seeing at this very moment, but I'll have to find that. Anyways, um, so yeah, a bit of an exciting one here given No Hill's history. From what I've heard, uh, that is a pretty decent pickup for the Valiant. And given, again, the talent pool that he's got to pick from and everything, and obviously working with the staff that was also announced there that I just don't know too much about, um, seems like he'll probably be able to build a pretty decent roster. Um, and I would I would certainly be shocked if we see the Los Angeles Valiant of this past season uh, return in terms of their record and everything. Uh, it is yet to be seen... Obviously, there's a ton of unknowns, and it's yet to be seen what exactly um, the Valiant will be working with, but I digress. Exciting for Valiant fans, nonetheless, you know, assuming there are still some. Then we have the Washington announcement. So Washington Justice parting ways with Fury and adding Kalios. Um, 
Liz Richardson does have an article on this. I'm just going to jump down to the tweets here where the Washington Justice say, Welcome, Kalios. Kalios brings the fast-paced decision-making necessary for success in Overwatch 2. So, um, bit of an interesting one here. I did, when I've talked about this in the past, I did say that, you know, I'm, I am I think this could be a good pickup for uh, for almost any team. Um, I think Kalios coming in on New York when he did sort of midway towards the end of this past season uh, I think he he was a good pickup for them. I think it's hard to say if he really reinvigorated the team, if he, you know, it was kind of just that honeymoon period where everything's exciting and new, um, or if he really had that much of an impact. But looking at Washington's roster with Mag on uh, tank, um, and now obviously Kalios on tank as well, looks like things are shaping up to be pretty interesting for Washington, but at the same time, I mean, they were interesting for Washington last season, and Washington definitely, I think, although they didn't place too terribly overall, uh, I do think they underperformed for where many people had thought they would be. So let's move on from there. We'll jump over to December 8th, where the Florida Mayhem signed main support Animo. And this time I am going to read Liz Richardson's article written on December 8th, which reads, Florida Mayhem signs main support Animo. The Florida Mayhem have been steadily building an international roster full of talented rookies throughout the Overwatch League offseason. One league veteran will be counted among them in 2022, though. Main support Animo will be part of the Florida Mayhem roster next year, the team announced today. Animo played for the New York Excelsior for the first three years of the Overwatch League, becoming one of the most well-known main support players in the scene. Last year, he would transfer to the Seoul Dynasty along other former NYXL players like Sabiolbi. The Dynasty decided to restructure for 2022, and he was dropped before the offseason began. He'll join Flex Support, Sir Mahed, a rookie from European and North American Overwatch contenders in the Mayhem's backline. Quote, We needed a stabilizing veteran presence on the team and someone with a complimentary hero pool to Mahed, said Albert Yeh, VP of Esports Operations for the Florida Mayhem, about the signing. In 2022, Florida will be returning with numerous rookie players, like Tank Someone from Team CC and DPS Hydron, who previously played for American Tornado and Redbird Esports. League regulars, such as Mirror, previously of the Los Angeles Gladiators, will also work alongside Animo and guide the younger members of their team through the trials of the Overwatch League. So, um, exciting one, I think, for Florida Mayhem fans. Um, I don't mind this one. Definitely a little bit out of left field, given... Uh, um, I, I don't know, given the roster that it looked like Florida was building, um, we have Adam and someone on tank, we have Hydron, Hydron sorry, on hitscan, uh, we have Mirror and Checkmate on flex, and then we had Sir Mahed on support, so a little bit interesting to see a, um, a veteran such as Animo jumping in there. Uh, I did notice today they had uh, Albert Yeh, who was quoted at the end of the article there, over on Plat Chat, and they talked to him about it, and they kind of just, uh, Albert said that, you know, in their trials, Animo kind of complimented Sir Mahed the best of who they saw, and really worked well together with him uh, to support the team, so there you go. Um, exciting stuff, and I'm still looking forward to seeing what this Florida squad does, um, especially under the leadership of Gunba. I really do wonder uh, how they're going to do. If it weren't for Gunba, I would worry a little bit more um, because this roster does, you know, again, scream Los Angeles Valiant of 2020, uh, the sort of budget roster that they had that definitely overperformed um, or outperformed expectations, I'd say. But even with all of that, you know, taken into consideration, um, I, I do worry just how how high they will be able to place 
um, even if they will be able to, you know, um, exceed expectations. So anyways, I'm a Florida fan, so I'm excited for any news coming out of Florida. Moving on from there, let's go to December 9th, where the London Spitfire had main support Admiral. And again, I'm going to jump over to an article by Liz Richardson, this time December 9th. London Spitfire promotes Admiral from British Hurricane. Last year, the London Spitfire completely restructured its organization to promote European talent and, namely, take its wildly successful academy team to new heights. That process has changed for 2022, but some habits are hard to break. London will be promoting main support Admiral from its Overwatch Contenders Academy Team British Hurricane to its main Overwatch League roster next year. Admiral has been a part of the European Contenders scene since 2019 and has played for teams like Roar Esports and Obey Alliance. He joined British Hurricane in 2021, as most of the previous roster headed to the Overwatch League. During his time on the Hurricane, Admiral was part of two monthly Contenders Tournament Championships for the team. Spitfire is also going more global this year. Admiral will become the first Overwatch League player to hail from Estonia. Thus far, he's also the only direct promotion from the British Hurricane this year. This signing likely completes London's backline, which also includes flex support provide, formerly of Dark Mode in North American contenders. The Spitfire now has a full roster with at least two players in each role, so this could be the end of its acquisitions before the 2022 season kicks off in April. So I don't have a ton to say about this one, given I don't know too much about Adm Admiral. What I do know is that uh, Johnny Reinforce over there, uh, obviously fans of the Overwatch League will be familiar with that name, um, was talking on today's episode of Plat Chat, and he did mention uh, that Admiral was a pretty exciting pickup. Um, if I'm looking at uh, the roster, I mean, they needed a main support, and he fits right in there. And from what I had heard, again, mostly from Johnny's assessment there, uh, Admiral was one player that uh, fans had sort of been crying for, you know, why aren't you guys moving him up? Why aren't you guys moving him up? And now you have it. There he is. So let's move on to December 11th, where we're going to talk Florida Mayhem again. Florida Mayhem adds assistant coach day one. Don't have too much to say about that, honestly. Um, if I hit the link on the article there, it takes us to the tweet where they announced it. Um, he's coming in as assistant coach from WGS and Team CC. Uh, so good stuff there, hopefully. Um, looking forward to seeing the impact that day one can make with the Florida Mayhem. Now, December 12th, let's take it on over to the Toronto Defiant, where the Toronto Defiant signed DPS finale. So... Uh, this time we have an article by Matthew Kennedy on DottieSports.com, this time December 12th, which reads, Uprising Academy DPS Finale signs with Toronto Defiant. After dropping eight players and assistant coach in October, the Toronto Defiant has been looking to rebuild its roster and become a force to be reckoned with in the Overwatch League. Its latest acquisition is Finale, who joins in the flex DPS role. Finale started his career in 2018 in the Korean and Pacific Open Division before heading to Korean contenders with Bravos Gaming in 2020. He played on the Uprising Academy in North American Contenders throughout 2021. During his stint there, the team achieved second place in September and October and third place in July. They were runner-ups to powerhouse Redbird Esports throughout the fall splits. During his time with the Uprising Academy, he played a lot of Echo Sombra in May. Finale is the sixth player to join the Defiant as he pairs up with Hisu in the DPS position. Hisu is known for his hit scan and Sombra play, so Finale's ability on projectile DPS should complement this for Toronto. Fans can expect a few more pickups from the Defiant headed into the 2020 season in April. How Overwatch 2's 5v5 format will affect rosters is still unclear, but many teams will likely opt to wait until closer to the season to complete their teams. 
So uh, there you have it. That's the final, well, in theory, the final announcement for the Toronto Defiant. Um, it does fill the the one hole that they still had on their team in the flex DPS role. Um, so realistically, that could be all we get um, in terms of the Toronto roster. That said, I'd be a little bit surprised if that was it. Um, it sounds to me, well, I, honestly, I haven't heard too much about Finale, whereas every other player on their team, I think, is either, either more of a known quantity or had some hype behind them. So Hisu, obviously, we know from this past season. Um, but then over on the tank role, we have Muse and Hotba, who are relative known quantities. Um, you know, uh, certainly certainly good stalwart kind of choices on tank. Maybe not the highest of top tier, but I think definitely have some potential to uh, to make a big impact. Main support being Korong. Obviously, we've heard the uh, all the hullabaloo blue around him and how great of a pickup that was. And then, of course, the flex support role. We have Twilight, which, um, you know, I'm definitely a Twilight stan, so I don't think I have to say too much about how great Twilight is. So it strikes me that Finale being... Um, being a little bit lesser known uh, could be a surprising pickup, um, but it also could mean that there's more yet to come. Again, we only have one flex support, one main support, one flex uh, DPS, and one hitscan DPS. I do think that as we get closer to uh, actual roster deadlines and things like that, we might see one more pickup, maybe even two. I could see them stacking another on flex support um, just in case, given, you know, I don't think Twilight really plays heroes like Lucio. Um, although we don't know what impact Lucio will really have on the game in Overwatch 2, but again, we don't know much. Um, and then I could definitely see another maybe flex DPS, um, just given the uh, the hero pool that they will need on flex DPS. So, But exciting nonetheless to see Toronto's roster uh, more fully filled out. Now, that's it for Liz Richardson's uh, tracker. However, we did have one more announcement today that hasn't been added there, and that is, of course going to be with the Los Angeles Valiant again, signing DPS Dia. Earlier this month, the beleaguered Los Angeles Valiant announced a few of its new management additions, hoping to rebuild after a winless 2021 Overwatch League season. In 2022, the Valiant will be relying on former Shanghai Dragons hitscan Dia to improve its luck. The team announced his signing late on December 13th, making Dia the first player added to the Los Angeles roster this offseason. Longtime Overwatch League fans will likely recognize Dia's name. He was part of the inaugural season's Shanghai Dragons roster that racked up a 0-40 record and a legendary losing streak going into 2019. Dia, however, was one of the few players whose individual performance shined through the overwhelming losses. They then have the tweet embedded from the Los Angeles Valiant, which reads, Yes, yes, we brought him back, the man himself. For the first reveal of our 2022 player roster, we are more than excited to confirm that number zero, Dia, is joining us. Welcome, Dia. Hashtag wings out, pending league approval. Though Dia was signed with the Dragons as the roster racked up its wins in 2019, he eventually became a two-way player for the organization's Overwatch Contenders Academy team, Team CC. He was part of the Team CC's Contenders Gauntlet Asia win in late 2020, but slowed down in 2021, seeking another shot in the Overwatch League. Dia will be the first piece of the Los Angeles Valiant's rebuild, which includes former Team CC coaches No Hill and Wu Yal. Though Diva publicly discussed why he refused to join the Los Angeles Valiant for the 2021 season, the addition of its two of two of its trusted coaches seemed to have swayed him. So exciting stuff there again for Valiant fans, if there are any, but more so I think for fans of Dia. Um, and and if you ask me again, you know, bringing in a head coach with a decent track record uh, such as no hill um 
this is the kind of thing you will see, right? You will see players follow a coach that they trust, that they know, that they um, have seen success with to places that maybe they you wouldn't necessarily think they would want to go. Or in this case, it sounds like they had actively spoken out against going to. Um, so obviously, Dia has some history with No Hill, and that's why he's there. I think this is only a sign of things to come. Um, you know, I, I personally haven't looked into it, but if there are more connections to uh, to impressive players uh, with No Hill, then it wouldn't shock me at all to see those players um, heading to the Los Angeles Valiant, especially if they haven't been picked up already. Obviously, this could be a great chance for them. I don't know if I've seen that wings out hashtag. Um, I do kind of like it. They don't have the fun little emoji at the end of it. So that tells me their social media needs to step their game up a little bit. Um, but I dig it. And honestly, I dig the uh, sort of marketing style that the Los Angeles Valiant has got going on here. Um, and it kind of seems like, you know, maybe they're maybe they're turning things around. Obviously, last season for the Los Angeles Valiant was a bit of a, a shit show, um, given everything that happened. And I don't know that there was really any goodwill to be salvaged. So they had a roster, they 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 made it through the season, and uh, now I think it's time for them to really try and uh, start over, if you will. And with that, that actually brings us to the end of the uh, Overwatch League, uh, whatever it's called, Trade Tracker, presented to you by DottieSports.com and Liz Richardson. So, uh, although it's been a very short episode, um, I've got to admit, I'm tired and uh, I got some things to do. So I think we're going to call it a short episode here, and let's head on over to the outro. Boop. You didn't think I'd let you have an episode of Sombra without the boop, right? Did you? No, I can't believe you would. Well, thanks again for listening to episode 62 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. Now that you've listened, you of course know that this is a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. I'm of course your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. If you are new why not give me a follow over on all social media, uh, especially Twitter and Instagram there. If you'd like to engage with me on Twitter, uh, feel free to tweet at me or um, or send me a DM or anything like that. Um, I would love to hear your topics, questions, concerns, uh, thoughts for the show, anything like that, and I'm happy to uh, bring them onto the show, especially, you know, even if they're not uh, related to Overwatch. I definitely don't mind talking about other games, uh, other other games that I enjoy and am playing right now and things like that. Um, so bring it on over and, uh, you know, shoot your shot kind of thing. Of course, you can find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends and all that jazz. And of course, if you do leave a review, I will certainly read it out on the show. And of course, if you felt this episode was a little too short and you just want to hear more of my voice, check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast uh, next Wednesday, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, where we will no doubt talk more about the Vancouver uh, Titans uh, social media presence these days, as well as, of course, the Toronto Defiant announcing the signing of Finale. Now, with all of that said, thank you very much for listening. Um, as this episode will be airing on December 15th, that means our next episode should be December 29th. I'm not entirely certain that episode is going to happen, given uh, the timing of it uh, being right after the holidays and everything. I will be out of town over the holidays. I should be back by the 29th, but I don't know if it's... Uh, I might not have it in me to get an episode out there. So if I do not... Uh, see you at the end of the year there just before New Year's. Have a happy New Year's to everyone. Have a safe New Year's. Drink water. Get lots of sleep. Have lots of fun. See family and friends. Hug your loved ones. Tell them you love them. All that fun stuff. Um, and 
We will catch you in the new year if we don't have an episode publishing on the 29th. If we do, then just pretend I didn't say any of this. And you know what? I'll just I'll just cut it out of this episode and put it at the end of the next episode. And uh, and and we'll 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 go from there. Once again, thanks very much for listening to episode 62 of One Man Watchpoint. Thank you.